Hi, this is Carson with Troy, and I have with me Morgan R.R. Hayes. Um, as you can see, or if you are listening on the podcast, Morgan R.R. Hayes are three siblings, and they write um, the Tara Jean Chronicles. Did I say that correctly? Ch Tara Jean, like Tara, planet, and Jean, like genome. Perfect. So the Tara Jean Chronicles, which has two books currently, um, go ahead and um, introduce yourselves and Tell us a little bit about the book series. <laughs> well, um, as you said, we're Morgan R. Hayes. We actually uh, did a, an amalgam of our names. Our grandmother's, great grandmother's last name was Morgan. So we went with that. And then RR uh, is the is Rachel <laughs> uh, and then H Heather and then um, our brother Zach is Z so we did RR and then Hayes is the combination of the H and Z. Fantastic and so there's three of you writing story um, who came up with the initial um, story setting and, and how did you guys decide to work on this together? Do it you want it chronologically? Where you look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, chronologically, it started with you, Heather, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The galaxy, I, not that far away. Yeah. True. <laughs> um, I, idea, I was like 16, 17, and I had seen a uh, a talk show where they were interviewing teenage runaways and so and and I just kind of took it from there with some of the stories that the the people um were giving and so I, I came up with the characters Bree and Natasha and, and that they were they were both running away and they they happened to meet up say 30 years went by <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that long, but multiple decades went by and I hadn't done anything with it. So tag ours <laughs> next. <laughs> so I had a very vivid dream that is very not like the beginning of the book, but had some elements of it. And I was like, this would make a really good story if I change this and change that. And basically what, 24 chapters in? And had no clue where to take it. I, 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 it was just the main crew of the Whaley, and it followed them. But I didn't have any bigger theme or where to take the story. So I sent it to Heather and my parents and Zach, and said, "What do you think of this?" You know. I'm kind of stuck. I don't know where to go from here. And I think it was our dad that was like, well, Heather's old story would fit really well in there. And, <laughs> and then um, Zach had been working, what, for a couple of years? Yeah, you know, my wife was kind of doing some artwork for this kind of like startup uh, game company. And I, I talked to one of the game developers of like, oh, it, I, we had this meeting and I just said, oh, it'd be really cool if there was ever like a game where it was kind of based on planet Earth, but there was kind of uh, some kind of uh, 
you know, like nuclear disaster that somehow was caused by a race of hybrids who were kind of a combination between human and hamster happened was because um, they were taking their revenge out on humans. Anyways, it was, it was this whole thing and that never really went anywhere. And so Rachel and I got talking about, um, you know, incorporating kind of that idea about the, uh, the hybrids and kind of like a bigger, um, like dystopian planet earth. And, you know, in our story, we call it, um, um, Terra prime and, and just how, how that could kind of all work. Heather, you also had some kind of elements of the, the hybrid qualities in your characters, if I recall correctly from, long um, ago. uh, originally I had, um, a couple of, of them being alien or, um, alien human mix. So it was like, yeah, we'll just change it a bit, tweak it. <laughs> yep. So each of you had unique little elements that were able to come together in a, in a cohesive story. Um, who took charge of the, the writing part of it? Who took charge of um, like the story, the, the outline? Because I mean, uh, Ari, you had, you had 24 chapters, but how much did you have to change to kind of fit their elements into it? Well, because of the way we wrote the story, um, each chapter is a first person point of view, but it jumps from person to person to person. So we were able to fit in their characters. We were able to just drop them into the story as, you know, this is happening over here. So it's just giving you an idea of what's going on in the world. And then you go back and then you jump back and forth. And then as we've gone on, um, different, we've taken over writing each other's characters a little more. So it's a little more cohesive now to where we each kind of write our strengths instead of um, trying to do the whole chapter from our own point of view. They, um, Heather's really good at dialogue. She can write pages and pages of dialogue, but there's no dialogue changes, and you don't know who's talking or where they're at or a <laughs> <laughs> white room syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> so Zach is really good at the world building and the overarching themes, and um, and I'm really good at filling in the gaps. <laughs> so, so we we do a lot of that. It's it's kind of like co writing and editing at the same time a lot yeah pretty much each of us when we we immediately send it to the other two um and and say you know thinking thinking it going this way or you know how does this sound and basically once we get it okayed by the other two that it's a, a good starting point and then most most of the in-depth writing, I think, happens in edits when we we go through it with the fine-tooth comb and we we need more here, we need more there. This is too wordy, you know. So you, you kind of edit at the same time. We you know you got six six eyes on it at all times, it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> at least, yeah. <laughs> So at first, when you're trying to, you know, adapt each other's stories and make that one cohesive piece, what were some of the challenges you came up with or that you came across? I think 
I was the challenge that my sisters came across <laughs> because, <laughs> because like, I, well, for two reasons. One, I wanted to like write the villain. And so I was like method writer. I had like a method writer syndrome and somehow became the villain because I have kind of more of a background in um, like management supervision right villainy right there no but <laughs> and also i wrote a lot before but it was mo more like instructions textbook kind of stuff we actually had to rewrite the entire beginning of the the book because i wrote like you know the fellowship of the ring the beginning of the movie how there's the prologue imagine if that prologue was like i don't know like eight or 16 hours long <laughs> that's basically what i wrote like they said, I do the world building, but that's all that was happening for, for a while in the book. Um, there was that. And I was just like, kind of, I had never written anything like, you know, before, like a story, like that other people would have their eyes on and that would, you know, you share, you know, share out there. And uh, I was always like, it was more of a self critique. But I was always like, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. We have to make this better. And, and by, you know, default. I, you know, I terrorized my sisters constantly with this isn't good. So yeah, that, that was, I was the first challenge. <laughs> well, I mean, coming from a, uh, a background where you're writing, you know, instructions, like writing a, a fantasy novel, writing a, a novel for enjoyment, for pleasure is a totally different beast in itself. So mm -hmm. what, how, how are you able to adapt and get over that? Again, my sisters, right? They're like the heroes <laughs> of the writing story. And um, they were able to defeat my my villainy. Um, you know, because like, I was always like, oh no, we need more detail. We need more details. That you, you gotta hold stuff back. You have to be vague in certain areas so that people will wonder, um, oh, well, what's going on over there? What could this mean? Instead of just like, telling them everything <laughs> right out the gate so that, that well, i that think that's a, a that's kind of a challenge with most well i don't know most but a lot of first-time authors where they want to info dump they they've created this thing in their head and they want to get it out you know and hmm. so they they do and they get it out and they give it to a friend or a parent or a cousin or whoever and they just like this is so boring and you just think it's the coolest <laughs> thing ever <laughs> so you you had the you know your two sisters that, that were built in that uh, along the way sounds like she they were able to help you out um early on in the process well and something we really leaned on because we really struggled on like the action scenes and stuff at first and we kind of really leaned into like the alfred hitchcock style of you give somebody just enough of an idea of what could be happening so their brain fills in the rest because whatever their brain puts in is so much better than the words you could have put in on the page. <laughs> so you give them sounds or you give them a flash of a, of a scene, but the, you don't actually see a lot of things in a lot of movies. You know, when, when it's a movie that's too gory or too vivid, you get desensitized because your brain's not working to fill in the the gaps so being able to rely on your reader to fill in the gaps is something that we kind of went in with that point of view to writing to begin with no that's a, a great tip or trick for anybody that's trying to write action scenes you don't have to fill in everything one of the 
greatest lessons I learned from reading The Will of Time by Robert Jordan, I don't know if you guys have read that or not, was that when a battle began, um, you know, there were times where he described battle and death, but there were lots of times where it was one of the main characters was running in, and then the next time you see him, the battle's done, and he has like, a, you know, one of the helmets or, or a flag that's torn or whatever that he's holding. So like that... The first time I read it, I didn't even know the tricks he was playing on my, you know, in my imagination because, <laughs> because I was like, oh yeah, there was a huge battle, and I witnessed. But no, like he didn't even write it; he just wrote the beginning and the the consequences from that battle. And that's something that I, I've listened to. I've I've gotten into different stories about halfway through and realized, you know what, this isn't a genre. This isn't like um, the Game of Thrones, the first book. I read about half of it. I really liked the world and stuff, but the political and all the deaths, it's just not for me. But I really like his writing style. And um, so what I've done is I've gone and listened to a lot of people that do breakdowns of the way he writes and the different chapters and how he got you to see different things of them. And um, I can be a fan of their work, but not enjoy the work I could be a fan of their art but it's not for me personally so but they're great writers so taking like I know like Robert Robert Jordan one of the biggest critiques is he over um over describes things or he has the same description over and over again which I hear as a complaint for a lot of people but it's also you know, some people do have mannerisms where they do the same thing over and over and over again. And it can be irritating to the people around them because they know, <laughs> okay, you need to stop that. I know you're nervous, but stop that. <laughs> right. So, so it depends on what you're trying to get the reader to feel. You know, if you're if you're mm -hmm. trying to get the reader to be irritated at that person, tell them their mannerisms over and over again, and that's what they're going to feel. So different tricks like that that are helpful for a lot of um excuse me i've picked up a lot from the different um podcasters and youtubers that have done a lot of breakdowns of things that i know like i said are great writers but not necessarily something that i would enjoy reading mm -hmm. it's it's nice that we have so much resources you know out there for writers now that you know when we were growing up if you you had to take a class or you had to go to a seminar we were in our late teens when the internet came around so <laughs> so you know <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know there, there's so much that we have available to us now that we just didn't before Right. And you have access to tons and tons of great writers that mm -hmm. are willing to share, you know, their their yeah. courses or or whatever to help people out. So how long did it take you guys to create the first book working together? <laughs> uh, under a year, year and a half. It was under a year. Oh, from... under a year for the first one? The first one, yeah. We just <laughs> It kind of flew together in under a year. And it's like, oh, wow, we can do this. We can do the whole trilogy. And what, that was five six years ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
we we but we did everything wrong with the first independent book they you know everything they tell you not to do we did because we didn't research how to do it so so we're playing catch up with these and and the actual big marketing push will probably be for the trilogy once it's complete instead of like you're supposed to and have all your marketing years in advance before publishing your first one <laughs> well what, what are some of the things you've learned um, as an independent publisher and an indie author get yourself an editor <laughs> um, a good editor is worth their weight in gold yeah yes that's one of the things that people i think underestimate is the editor and the editing side is because from my perspective you know a few years ago an editor was somebody who just checked their spelling and punctuation and grammar and stuff like that. But there's more to editing than that. And a good editor, a developmental editor, will make your story better. So, and, you know, another thing that as an indie author, you're in charge of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the, the things that we did have a, a leg up on was that since there are the three of us, um, and we each have different strengths. It, it's like we're able to do the developmental for the most part on our own. Um, like I said, there's just been a couple suggestions here and there, but you know, every little bit helps being willing and, to. And because there's three of us, it's kind of like we catch each other's plot holes and we're like, oh, well, we can't do that because we did this before. And so it really helps, you know, having the three minds focused on it and being like, okay, we have to go back and fix this if we're going to keep it or, well, that's in the other book that's already published. So we've got to stick with this part. So. <laughs> right. So you, do you guys work off of an outline that you guys share and are able to work off of, or do you just kind <laughs> of have your part specifically that you guys do and then drop it all in? So the uh, first time we just dropped it all in. Yeah. And then. And then we kind of got the full, what, trilogy. We had it planned as a trilogy at first, and then it went to four or five books. And now we're back down to a trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> We've, um, we, we kind of wrote out the outline for that. And that's helped us figure out how long it's going to be in parts we needed to cut out and, and make things fit. But we definitely... Um, <laughs> um, so we have a basic plan uh, outline, but things change all the time. You know, all of a sudden, oh, hey, I got this idea. What if we did this? <laughs> and and off we go on a, a whole side quest. Um, <laughs> and it, but it it's been really fun and. I think in, in a lot of ways, it's actually brought us closer because we have to be talking to each other. <laughs> so what are some of you guys' writing habits? Poor. <laughs> insomnia writing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I tend to write before I fall asleep. Oh, I have this idea. I, I can picture this happening, so I have to put it down. <laughs> you know, it for me a lot of times it it's almost like I can hear the conversation 
and like I'm overhearing it almost. Um, I don't know how else to describe it. And then it's like, okay, I got to write this down before I forget it. A lot of times for me, it's, I'll get a scene in my head or something and it's like, oh, I need to write that down. And it's usually, like I said, insomnia writing, you know, two o'clock in the morning, can't sleep. And all of a sudden something pops in my head. It's like, okay, I'll write that down. And usually by the time I get a couple of pages down, then I'm tired and I'll fall asleep. (laughs) It's kind of just whenever it strikes. Yeah, I think for me, you know, when I get like a moment of inspiration, it's, you know, sometimes it's uh, can be from like, I'm a big uh, video game player, (laughs) play a lot of PC games. Um, But, you know, if I get kind of uh, inspired, you know, and I'll I'll sit down and and I'll, I'll just write the whole, kind of almost like a whole chapter. A lot of the chapters that I've written, um, are not actually in the first person perspective like the rest of the book. They're more in a, a third person, less kind of personal, maybe a villain character or someone who could be a villain kind of perspective, but we're not quite sure what their intentions are yet. Um, and so I'll just kind of like write the whole the whole scene um, from, from beginning to end um, to just kind of and see where it takes me and then I kind of my habit I guess at that point is usually I'll reread it several times and keep <laughs> keep going through it and rewriting it and going through it and rewriting it until I'm kind of happy enough with it to send to my sisters or you know see what they think so yeah and oh, most awesome. of his are the long chapters <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think yeah sometimes um and we've intentionally like cut up some of my chapters because they were so long just to kind of keep maybe some suspense going so it's almost like a whole like uh, side quest if you will you know from beginning to end uh just to to set kind of like maybe like a pivotal excuse me pivotal moment in the story that will kind of affect the world and the other uh, characters in the story maybe directly or indirectly sometimes even something going on behind the scenes politically because like Rachel said uh, sometimes that may be interesting to you <laughs> uh, you know um, but you know that's something I like to kind of play with sometimes so well and just because it's not my preferred thing doesn't mean it's not necessary for the story <laughs> absolutely and you know maybe it's just like for me just kind of getting some of those because you know, again my my inspiration is video games but it's also like i said before i worked in like supervision and management and i actually worked uh for a governmental agency so i think sometimes it's getting some of those other kinds of inspirations out there <laughs> that i want to <laughs> you know uh you know kind of uh, get through if you will but in a creative form well inspiration can come from anywhere so it's you know living life and and doing things going to work and it, it can hit you at any time, even at two in the morning. Like, right? <laughs> so you guys are in charge of everything. You found your editor. Um, how did you find your cover artists? You got great covers for your books. <laughs> Zach. <laughs> uh, the first cover or for our first book was actually my, my wife drew it. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So that's, uh, she's been an artist for as like forever <laughs> and um that's that's pretty much uh, i help her with our art business 
um, doing, you know, illustration and stuff. That's like our main work now, but, but she's the real artist. I'm just the guy in the back kind of shuffling <laughs> stuff in the, you know, around and, and, uh, as I always said, you know, bringing the lumber to the work site and the, you know, the stones to the work site. And she's actually the one who makes a beautiful building, so to speak. So, but yeah, it's, uh, that was the first one, the first book. And then, um, we've got our second cover, um, when we were going to need it done, Zach and Amy were like swamped with their work at that point, And they just didn't have time to do the cover for the next book. And it was when we went to our first con and had our first booth <laughs> and um, Josh, uh, what's his last name? Do you remember Davis. off the top of your head? Davis, Josh Davis. He was actually straight across the aisle from us. And um, we we met quite a few different artists at the con, but really liked the ideas he came up with, and it it worked out really well. It still had a similar feel to the first book, but it was you know a picture it was a scene of a diff a different world that was in our universe, so. That was pretty cool. Well, that was fantastic. And you mentioned a couple, you know, I met you at Phoenix Fan Fusion. Um, you, know, yeah. you mentioned the con where you met your artist. How important um, has it been for marketing to go to conventions? And, and how have you been able to, to do the marketing <laughs> side to sell your book? Uh, still working on that. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we have a lot of stuff we actually need to, to still work on, but we, before uh, Phoenix Fan Fusion, we we finally we've had a, a website for a while, but we finally got it all set up so that we can have a newsletter now and uh, an automatic um, email welcoming you if you sign up to the newsletter. And um, we're giving out um, short stories on the background of our different characters. Slowly, you know, we're, we're trying to make sure that we're capitalizing on actually the different things that we've, yeah. <laughs> so, so we've done two cons. So we did the, the one in Oregon where we met Josh and then um, we did Phoenix. Of course, we were set up to go to Phoenix originally right after. Anyway, <laughs> it got delayed what, two, Four for times. two years yeah it got delayed four <laughs> times for two years so so we we had gotten accepted for the original date 2019 I think or no 2020 20 yeah 20 yeah it was supposed to be May of 2020 I think originally and and then everything happened so it got pushed back and pushed back um, so we haven't done a whole, um, at this point, we're not really being a writer right now is a good tax write-off, but we're not really making a lot of money on it yet. Um, but like I said earlier, we'll probably end up once we have all three done, being able to do a big push and we'll have a little bit more of a built-in fan base and working on other marketing streams. But it's kind of learning, learning as we go very much. <laughs> no, I think that that's a thing that a lot of authors 
if they if they go the indie route, you know, they got to really do that that side of it, and it may be uncomfortable, um, and and they might not know what to do. But if you want to sell your book, you have to sell your book, and yeah. so if you want to make a living as a writer, you know, you have to have that income coming in. Why why did you choose the fantasy fantasy genre? I mean, you could have chosen anything. What what drew you to fantasy or, or science fiction? <laughs> I guess it's technically science fiction. <laughs> I, I don't think any of us would write anything other than sci-fi fantasy, really. <laughs> we were, when we were talking about what, getting ready to do the different podcasts and stuff that we've been invited to, um, we are talking about how growing up, we grew up in the middle of nowhere. So we had a lot of like, you know, the big excursion was going to the video store and getting VHS tapes to take home. And we've talked about how we've seen a number of movies that we purposely rented that then ended up on Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we saw them before they were on there. It was like, hey, wait a minute, I actually like that movie. <laughs> but um, yeah, our our dad has always loved sci-fi. Big yeah. sci, big Star Trek, Star Wars, anything science fiction based has pretty much always been up our alley everything we played as kids was either star wars or star trek or some combination crossover of the two um when is the when we were talking about that it's like yeah the the first movie i can remember going to on my own it was a double feature Snow White and Tron <laughs> and it's like that kind of sums it up just yep mash those two things together and you got what we write nice <laughs> we also uh we grew up right outside of Mojave California they actually were the the ones scaled composites was the first um company to to reach the oh the heiress aerospace thing, a non-governmental program to reach space. Now I can't remember what the name of that award was. SpaceX. Yeah. And it, well, and it was Virgin. The, it the was spaceport. On our Instagram, one of the first um, pictures we put up was a picture of the Mojave air and spaceport. It's like, hmm, we had to write the sci-fi. <laughs> this was our influence. It's what we know. Yeah. So the answer is we didn't have a choice. It's just, <laughs> it was the we only option. Bred into yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. We were born into it, I guess. Yeah. So who are some of you guys' influences in, in writing? Definitely all of us have read Tolkien. Um, love how real he makes the world feel, you know. You can actually picture yourself there. Um, and then I read a lot of Adam McCaffrey, you know, just the thought of, oh, wouldn't it be so cool to be, have a dragon, <laughs> you know? Um, but then Austin and read a lot of the, the Star Wars Legends books now. Timothy's on. Yeah. Yeah. Really like his writing style. So a, a pretty good variety. I, I think, yeah, our our mom is very much, she was the reader 
in in the family and she got us hooked on reading because she'd start reading us a story and then oh i gotta go do laundry oh i gotta go do dishes or something <laughs> and walk away but what happens? <laughs> you read well, it, read it. <laughs> that's awesome leaving you on a cliffhanger like that yeah. <laughs> so are you guys uh planning on doing any more conventions later this year not this year um, i think too because we're so spread out you know it one of at least one of us has to travel far distance if we go to another convention so it's unless it's something close to home you know we we have to budget wise it's not but we we do definitely want to to do more in the future um yeah but i, I think at this point we're kind of well we'll we'll splurge once we've finished the third book <laughs> So I, I know this is a loaded question. Do you have like a any like release date or anything yet for that third book? We really we want keep... to have it done the end of the year, but we'll have to see how that goes. Things keep <laughs> happening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, I understand. You know, doing a podcast sometimes the release dates of when you want episodes to come out. Like I'll tell people, oh, it'll just be you know a few weeks and it'll come out, and it'll be a few weeks after that, and I'm like, oh, just... <laughs> yeah. Yep. Especially, you know, with, with this, I'm doing it all myself, you know, all the editing mm -hmm. and, and everything. Plus I have a family. So how do you guys like stay balanced and be able to do the things that you want? To? Uh, unfortunately, it means that at this point, writing the books are really hobby zone for us because I'll have families that we have to take care of. And so, and then all the other craziness of the world is going on too, on top of it. So what with that it's like you know we're getting we're getting a few chapters a month basically but we do tend to have very short chapters which are two <laughs> or three pages long um, <laughs> so you know sometimes we'll we'll get oh wow we did 20 chapters oh my goodness you know but uh it, it kind of we'll get a real big chunk and then we'll go a month or two and it's like okay we wrote like 10 words on the book <laughs> so it it, it kind of just really depends on what's going on in our lives at that point point. and also we all have family members I guess you could say with special needs um so I think in a lot of ways um the writing has been therapeutic a, a yeah a coping mechanism <laughs> for us too we've actually dealt with some some heavy issues had our characters go through um and, and I think a lot of that is just us kind of processing our own feelings as well. And it has been helpful. That's that's a wonderful side effect um, to be that therapeutic. Go ahead and tell everybody how they can find you, how they can get your book, and then, um, you know, social media tags or whatever. Uh, probably the the best way is, is our website, um, morganrhays.com. And... Um, like I said, you can sign up for the newsletter there. Um, and we, we have one complete short story that, that's ready and it's, it comes with your welcome email. And then uh, we have three more that are written. We have to finish polishing them. Um, 
for the different characters and all of our links are there for our Instagram, our Instagram as well as our the links to the Amazon and um, Audible and Audible um, and then I we've also made sure to add um, contact info for the different artists that we've had do the book mm-hmm. need to do to add our our editor on there too mm-hmm. in case anybody wants to con- contact her but pretty much there you can find everything there <laughs> and, the word, and it's well, easy to remember something that in the future we'd like to do is maybe like a graphic novel version if you go on like the instagram there's a lot of things that were like oh this was a picture that inspired us for this part of the world or um you know the this was such an awesome picture of this person that you know they were an inspiration for this character things like that we try to let people know you know if if you're curious what we used for a lot of our ideas there's a lot of that on there perfect no i i you know i always research who i uh, interview and i there's a lot of information on there so um you know i, I especially appreciated the the links to the the artwork um you know who did your cover and stuff because you know like i said before you're in charge of everything and sometimes that stuff is kind of hard to find so I appreciate you guys getting on with me today. Um, thank you so much. And hopefully you're at uh, Fan Fusion next year and I can meet you again and, and talk to you even more. So thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, right. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share with your friends.